are now listening to an inspirational message from the Greater Shallow Missionary Baptist Church, where Dr. Michael Wesley Sr. is pastor. Please join the service in progress. matter what day it was. What matters is it did happen. And it was just as the Bible has declared. 
that the Lord himself was born in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. What a glorious night. NBC didn't even know what happened. ABC, CBS, ESPN, none of them knew. So God sent the good news by another network. It was called the Angels. And they reported, broke the story. Under you is born this day in the city of David, Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And he said to the shepherds, he said, this will be a sign unto you. You'll find the babe not in an incubator, not in a hospital, but in a feeding trough wrapped in donkey blankets. Such an unusual sight that when the shepherds did go, they found just as the angels had said. Now you got to know, they didn't know what was going on. They didn't know what to make of it. They did what they could. They went everywhere telling people what the angels had said and what they had seen. That's the night that Christ was born. The sky filled with host multitudes of angels and they were singing glory to God in the highest and on earth peace goodwill toward me. Now can you see people from every nation coming and hearing and being blessed and changed all because it did happen the night that Christ was born. I want you to join me now in a moment of prayer as we ready our hearts. Or what the Lord will say else this morning. Father, we thank you today for blessing us with another Christmas celebration. Not only do we celebrate Christmas, but it is the Lord's day. The day that you came forth from the grave. And it's why we worship on Sunday. It's because we honor you. And we thank you, God, for coming into the world for living in such a way and for declaring the truth of who you are and now we are the benefiters of that and we pray now as we come to this moment of sharing that you would open our hearts and our minds and our understanding that you would speak the truth to us and bless us with your word speak it so clear that none of us escapes speak it so deep that our lives are forever changed Bless now the words that are in our mouth and the meditation that's on our heart. That it may be acceptable in your sight. O oh Lord, our strength and our redeemer. We ask it now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We conclude this morning the series on doing life together. We have looked at Bible purposes. We've raised the question, what on earth am I here for? And if we don't understand why God has made us, we wonder, we spend time, we're lost, we waste time, and we never become fulfilled or satisfied in our life. But we don't have to do that because we know why God put us on earth. He put us on earth to be the recipients of his love. He put us on earth to manage some part of his creation. He put us on earth and formed us into the family of God so that through the church we can live out our lives, we can love, we can share the message of Jesus, and we can help others to become Christ-like. We've been put on the earth that we might become disciples, might become Christ-like in our life. But the only way you will ever become Christ-like is to know who Christ is. 
and then to know what his word has declared. And as you know that message and believe that message, then God does a work that you can't do. He begins to change you. And ultimately, you will become more and more like Christ in your life. Thirdly, we will put on the earth to be a servant, to serve him. We will put on the earth to serve God. And the only way we can serve God is to love God. And if we love God, then we will serve other people. If we don't love God, other people do not have a chance. I used to say that a lot with married couples when I was in counseling. I would say to the ladies, if the man don't love you, if he doesn't love his mama, then you don't have a chance. And I'm just telling that us the truth, that if a person doesn't love God, it's going to be difficult for them to honestly love and bless other people. So we were made to be servants. And then we said we were not only made to be servants, we are made to be on mission. God wants us on mission for him in this world. We're to tell other people about Jesus. We're to bring other people to Jesus. We're to point people to Jesus because Jesus is the Savior and he alone can forgive people of their sins. And everybody you meet will be somebody that needs to be forgiven. Look at me this morning. I need to be forgiven. Look at you this morning. You need to be forgiven. And there's one person who can do that, and that's the Lord Jesus himself. Amen. And we'll be on mission for that. Okay? And this morning, I want to give you the final message here this morning. I want to take you to an unusual place for Christmas message. Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Another interpretation say your reasonable worship. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. This is the word of God for the people of God. I want to preach this morning from this subject. You were created to worship. Created to worship. Created to worship. That word worship throws a lot of curves at people because we have our own definition about it. We think worship has to do with attending a service like this and being limited to what goes on in the sanctuary. That is a form of worship, but that's not the ultimate definition. We also think that worship is certain kinds of liturgies, certain rituals that we have to go through. And there are some people who say that they can't worship because they don't play the right kind of music. Well, let me just tell you something. Worship is not being intoxicated with music. Worship is not determined by who sings and who don't sing and who claps and who don't clap. Worship is not determined by the count of three we go to the left. That's a line dance. Worship is not determined by any of those external factors. Worship is not based on what you get. Worship is based on what you give. Recently, I heard of a young lady who went to a, to a minister, and she asked and said to him, she said, you know, I, I just can't live a Christian life no matter what I try said, I've tried some of everything. I've tried different churches. I've tried different styles. So I've gone into churches where they speak in tongues, and I've spoken in tongues. The woman went on to say, I've been slain in the spirit. 
She said, I've done it all, but I seemingly still can't get my life together. And the minister asked, well, what else have you tried to do on your own? And she went on to tell some more of the kinds of things. She's fasted, she's prayed, she's cut her body, she's done all kinds of things like that. And the minister finally said, well, that's the problem. She said, I tried to get more out of God. And the minister said, it's not getting more out of God. It's giving more to God. And that's what I want to say on this Christmas morning. It's not you getting any more gifts that God has given. It's time now for you to give back to God what God has given to you. And when you give back to God of yourself, then you can worship. God is not interested in your talents. I don't care how good it may be. You may be the most gifted person. There's somebody else that's more gifted than you are. You may be more talented. You may sing. You may can do flips with your voice. But somebody else can flip too. And so you can sit down on it, you can hold back, you can think the church can't make it without you, and you can think that people can't praise God because you're not leading the praise. You're a lie, and the truth is not in it. Because worship has nothing to do with any of those external factors. Worship has everything to do with what's on the inside of me and what I'm willing to give. And, and, and that's exactly what is conveyed in the scripture text for the morning. Through 11 chapters, the Apostle Paul has laid out systematically the benefits of what we receive because Christ came into the world. He's not trying to give the traditional story. A lot of people like the traditional Christmas story. We like the babe in a manger because we can leave the babe in a manger and he doesn't have to do anything for us to change us. We, we, we like the wise men. We like the, the traditional stories because we walk away from that stuff. It was so ancient. It was so foreign from where we live and how we live, that it doesn't impact us. But what Paul says is this. Paul says that all men have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And, and he said, and there is a way by which man can be made right with God, and it's outside of you. It's not you doing what God needs you to do to be made right with God. God has taken care of what's necessary to be made right with himself by giving us Jesus. And Paul goes on to say, and so you have been, can now be what's called justified. And justified means made right. And then you can be sanctified. That means set apart for God's purpose. And in the future, one day when you die and go to heaven, you'll be glorified. And, and so Paul, after writing all of this down through 11 chapters, come to this uh, 12th chapter and he said, I beseech you, I beg you, I urge you by the mercies of God. See, that's what motivates real worship. What motivates real worship is not the count of three. It's not the genre of music. It's not which choir is singing. It's not which singer is singing. It's when an individual realizes the mercies that God has provided for you. That's what motivates me to worship. What are those mercies? When I think about the love that God has given to me. Listen, I know every one of us got our own story that we can tell about how close we have come to the end of life. And, and your story may be different from mine, and your story may be different from somebody else's, but there have been some close calls in your life. And God, in spite of you, has loved you so much so that he kept you going. And, 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 and not only have you received the love from God, 
but you have received mercy. Mercy is, is being is receiving something you don't deserve. Every one of us are blessed this morning. And not because we deserve it, but because God is gracious. And because God is gracious, God has looked beyond our faults and he has seen our needs. Yes, he did. Yes, yes, he has. And I, I, I don't have to worry about being disputed about that. I know God has looked over you. He's looked past you and blessed you in spite of you. And that's a mercy. Peace. Peace in mind. I went to sleep last night and I didn't wake up, okay? I had peace. I wasn't, I wasn't laying there trying to figure out who I'm going to get back and how I was going to hurt somebody and who was going to be the recipient of a good cussing. Come on now, don't y'all pretend. I know you're in church and I know you want to be holy, but I didn't have to do that because I had what? Peace. I, I have freedom. I'm free. The scripture said, whom the son set free is what? Free indeed. So I am free. I don't care what you think. I am free indeed. Understand that? Okay, not only that, I have help with weaknesses. I have weaknesses. You have weaknesses. And God supernaturally comes in and helps me with weaknesses. All of these are the mercies of God. And when I realize the mercies of God, that's what draws worship out of me. And I don't have to be in this building in order to do that. I could be standing at the kitchen sink washing dishes. I could be walking with behind a lawnmower. I could be driving a car. I could be just sitting anywhere and think about the mercies of God and I will break out in a praise, baby. That's why they sing, when I think about all that God has done for me, my soul, what, cries out. That's where worship comes from. It comes from the soul of a man. And that's what my first point is today. Paul says here, he says, I beseech you by the mercies. That's the motivation. That you present your bodies, yourself. First, let's look at that. Your whole self. Now, we'll break this down into four elements. The first part of yourself is implied. And that implied self is your soul. Touch somebody and say, my soul. Your soul has to be given to God before you can worship. If you have never given God your soul, you are not worshiping. You're just singing. And you can sing the same rhythms and you can sing the same beats and you can make the same moves as you did when you were out there yesteryear. Come on, talk to me, somebody. You know what I'm talking about. The difference is I have given God my soul. What is my soul? My soul is the invisible part of me. It's the part of me that does not show up on the x-ray machine when I go to the doctor. Sometimes the word spirit is used intertwined with soul, but it is the essence, the very essence of who I am. Now look at the creation. When God made the first man, he scooped out of the soil and he began to form just a physical body, but he wasn't alive. Not until God blew into him the breath of life and man became a living soul. So if your soul has never been given to God, you are not worshiping. I don't care what you sing. I don't care what you march like. I don't care what you play like. You are not worshiping if God does not first have your Soul. So the soul of man has to be redeemed. Now, let me let me let me help you here understand what we're talking about. He says, present yourself as a living sacrifice. Now, that's old testament language. 
And it's the language of the Levitical priesthood. It is the language of Aaron and his brothers and his sons. It is the language. And in the Old Testament, what a priest did, a priest offered sacrifices on behalf of other people. Now, whenever a person in the Old Testament needed access to God or wanted to go to God, he had to go through a priest. And that priest would offer an animal as a symbol of the worshipers offering to God. But guess what? Every one of them, every one of those sacrifices were dead. So those were dead sacrifices. An animal had to be killed. And the, and the priest would say, in essence, Lord, or the worshiper would say, Lord, I know it should be me because I have sinned, but in my place is this substitute as offer it as a symbol of myself. Now, guess what? You couldn't offer anything. You couldn't offer sick animals. You couldn't offer dead animals. You couldn't offer blemished animals, blind animals. And sometimes folk tried to get away with that. That's why God sent the prophet Malachi. And Malachi had to put his finger in the people's face. How, what's wrong with y'all? You think God is satisfied with sick animals being offered? And blind animals being offered. And here we come. We want to come in here offering God ourselves sick, crazy, unregenerated, unrepentant. And we want God to accept that. Now, that, that's, that's not worship. That's something else. That's something else. But it's not, it's not the true worship of Almighty God. And so if you're going to worship God, you got to give him first your soul. Your inner man. I'm going to give it to you brief this morning because I'm going to let you out. This is my Christmas gift to you. Not only must you give your soul as an offering to God before you can really truly worship, but you also got to give God your body. You got to give him your body. God wanted you. Listen, God is not interested in your talent. He's interested in you. That's why you can't send nobody here. You can't say, go up there for me. You know, I used to say that to children sometimes when I used to be a school principal. I used to say, man, uh, listen, you can't send no one else to the restroom for you. Because whatever you got to do there has to come from hello somebody so I need you to understand somebody else can't worship for you it has to come out of out of your inner being and it has to be God has to have your whole body your, your mouth your hands your feet God has no other hands now but your hands he has no other feet but your feet. He has no other voice but your voice. And when you are willing to offer him a living sacrifice, the dead sacrifices are done. That era is over. So God is not looking for dead sacrifices. He's looking for living sacrifices. Let me give you one illustration. Remember Abraham? Abraham was a great man. He believed God, man, when there was nothing in him to believe. But God told him that I'm going to make a great nation out of you. I'm going to bless you with children, with the, as many as the sands of the seashore and the stars in heaven. And Abraham was married to a woman who was barren, who couldn't even have a child. And, and, and so they cooked up a scheme, the wife did, Sarah, she said, you can take my slave girl, Hagar, here, and you can go into her, and y'all could have a child, and that'll be God's plan. 
It's amazing how other people always think they know better than God. Abraham didn't mind, though. He popped his suspenders and said, yeah, bring it on, baby. <laughs> and so he took care of business, and he had a child. But that wasn't the child that God had promised. Years later, after Abraham got to be an old man, I'm talking about old man. I'm talking about 100 years old. Past the age of pleasure and past the age of conception. And there was no little blue ones. You catch that on the way home. Sarah is now 90. And God shows up and say, you're going to have a child. And she laughed. She couldn't help but to laugh. That was funny. That would be funny too to you, wouldn't it be? Some of y'all sitting in here, you would laugh if God showed up and you had told you you were afraid to have a child. And you know you past certain ages. Yeah, that would be kind of funny. It would be funny to me to see you too. I got to be honest with you. See some of you running right back coming in here? And your name ain't Sarah, baby. What, what you do? And you just smile and just say, Stella got her groove back. I know. Ain't <laughs> nothing wrong with a little humor, nothing wrong with a little laughter. We all in it. You're hearing the truth. And when Abraham and Sarah were old people, God gave them a son. And that was the son of promise. And his name was Isaac. And then after he's about 12, 14 years old, maybe 15 years old, God tells Abraham, now I want you to take this boy and go to a mountain that I show you. And I want you to offer him as a sacrifice. I want you to kill the son. The son of promise. And Isaac... I, Abraham and Isaac did it. Abraham strapped the wood on him. They went up the hill. Man, Isaac looked around. Dad, I, I see the wood. I see the fire. But where's the sacrifice? And, and Abraham had said, well, God will provide the sacrifice. But Abraham took that knife, and he was fixing to kill that boy. Now, Isaac would have been a dead sacrifice. But Abraham was making a living sacrifice. He was saying in essence, God, I'm willing to give up whatever it is that you have given me as long as I am pleasing to you. And if it means giving up this boy, I know that you can give me him again. If it means giving up whatever it is, that's what God wants from you to be able to look at him and say, God, here is my body. Here is my life. And whatever you've given me belongs to you. And I'm willing for you to have it all. That's a living sacrifice. And it requires you to give up your body to do that. But some of us don't want to do that. We want to keep the body for our own pleasure. We'll keep the body for our own enjoyment. And we want to do other things with it other than offer God an offering that he can live in and use. But if we're going to be worshipers, if we're going to understand true worship, then we got to understand that we have to give up our soul. We have to offer God our soul. We have to offer God our bodies. And not only must we offer God our bodies, but we have to offer God our minds. And this is what Paul says right here. He says, and, and, and the Greek word here for mind, he says, and, and um, present your bodies a holy sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable act of worship. And that's, what, that's why we were made for this. We were made, and it's a reasonable thing for us to give ourselves to God in this way. And then he said, and be not conformed to this world. Now, now there are two Greek words for, for the word world. That, that, that is the word cosmos, which means the physical world. And then there is another Greek word, which means this age. And this is what Paul is using here. He said, and be not conformed to this age. 
to the system of this age. This age is under the dominion and control of Satan. And when we, when we, and if we don't have a renewal, a, a redoing of our minds, we are constantly submitting ourselves to the behaviors of the culture, the times in which we live in. We want to dress like them. We want to talk like them. Even me, every now and then, would throw one of these idiomatic expressions that come right out of this age. And that's because I'm trying to connect with you. Because I know you live in this age. Not only do we want to look like the age and talk like the age, we want to act like the age. We don't want to act our age. We want to act like the age. We got old women that's trying to still dress in micro minutes. We got old men that want to have their chest out catching pneumonia. <laughs> want to show the gray hat and the curled up. <laughs> we want, we, we're conforming. The church is conforming to the age. The church doesn't look like the church no more. Church doesn't sound like the church no more church not preaching and teaching the word of God no more we 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 around here rapping and that's that's fine but God called us to preach not to rap the rap is where came out I remember when rappers delight came out matter of fact when MC Hammond all those guys came out with that stuff they came under heavy criticism because people were saying you know wait a minute you, you're talking even Kirk Franklin came under serious ah, because people saying man you're talking you're not singing and we the church and everybody in this world is conforming and the only way that you can offer God true worship is to have your mind renovated that's the Greek word for it it means to renovate you gotta have a renovated mind God has got to go inside of you and change some things in order for you to understand. Now, how does he do that? He do that, he does that through the word. When you read the word, when you concentrate on the word, when you meditate on the word, you will see that a lot of what you're doing doesn't make sense. Now, look, I love my fraternity, love sorority, love all that stuff like that. But listen, that ain't Jesus. And you got to understand that there is a difference. And that requires a change of mind. I know the difference in, in, in good music and, and, and music in the club. I played that. But I understand the difference in entertainment and worship. And that is a difference. And so we got to have a change of mind. A renewed mind if it's going to be true worship. The more I read the word, the more I meditate on the word, the more it, it, it just causes every decision, every thought to, to, be, to run past the word. The word becomes a filter. When I, when I got trouble on the line, see, you have to already have this relationship with God before trouble come up. If you have the right standing and right relationship with God before trouble comes up, when it comes up, it's still hurt, but at least you know you can make it because you know what God has promised. But what causes people to blow their minds is because they don't have no word. They don't have nowhere to go. They don't have any other alternative. You got whole generations of young people today who does not even know that Jesus is an option. And therefore, there's no worship. There's no worship. I learned a lot of songs, a lot of verses, a lot of things in the early days of my life that began to put this filtering system in place. God has been working on renewing, redoing, changing the mind over time. 
You know you have to change your mind about finances. Hello, somebody. Now, now you, you look at all these young men, man, they come out of college. They come out of college and pro, pro, play professional football, play professional basketball, and they make mega millions. And they'd be broke in four or five years because they didn't have a renewed mind about understanding what's going on. Let me, let me put it another way. History. If you don't have a renewed mind about history and understand what has already taken place, you don't really know what's going on. And you are, you're walking down same trails and going to make some of the same mistakes that have already supposedly been create, corrected. If It won't be long, man. Uh, Martha Bullier told me one time about a book that's called Segregation by a New Name. Another name. And if you don't understand that, if you don't get your mind fixed, you'll be walking right in the throes of it. We are. But people can't even see it. Because their minds have not been renewed. And that's why people can sit up in church and sit in the same church with people that they've known for 50 years and won't even speak to them. Because their minds have never been renewed. And we can look down the road and say, yes, he said that to me 50 years ago. And you're sitting under the gospel every week. And nothing has happened. And you're saying you're worshiping. Who are you worshiping? It couldn't be God. Because if you're going to worship God, you're going to give him your soul. You're going to give him your body. You're going to give him your mind and ask him to change your mind. You can't feel the same way about people when you've had a renewed mind. You can't sing it the same way when you've got a renewed mind. You can't pray it the same way when you've got a renewed mind. You know, early on when we were learning to pray, we learned how to repeat what had been said. And we thought that was praying. We mocked the deacons. We mocked the people that got up in church. And we repeated what they said with the intent of drawing humor out of it. There were some deacons in our church. We, you almost knew every phrase. You knew exactly what they're going to say. Y'all know, okay. To the officers, members, these are your. <laughs> God is. All the. And all the. God is. See, y'all know. Y'all know. And, and that's what I'm saying. We have become so structured in the culture and in the ways of life that we are just walking robots and, and that's why that's why that the church is cold that's why there's no fire that, that, that's why you have to beg people to show up for rehearsal that's why you have to twist people off and almost embarrass them to cause them to serve if their minds were renewed if they gave their souls to Jesus and, and, and gave their bodies for the work of God, then you wouldn't have to ask nobody three times. Just saying what it is. Talking about you were created for worship. God made you with intent. Look at all the people that God used and all of the people that are talked about in the Bible. Nobody had to be forced. Because their minds, their souls, their bodies were given to God. But lest I hold you and go back on my promise, there's a fourth part of you that's got to be given. And that's the will. See, it's very hard to divide, to divide us up into all these little bitty parts. But you do have a soul. When you die, your soul exits. And goes to be with the God that it creates. Your body will lie in repose into the grave until the coming of Jesus. 
And then at the trump of God, then the body will rise, body and soul will be put back together again, and you'll live forever, and then God will change the form of it so that you can live eternally in his presence. But the will, the will is that part of you that determines what you're going to do. And you do have a will. You can will to do right and you can will to do wrong. You can will to honor God and you can will to dishonor God. Uh, I, I think I shared with you before about this little boy uh, that uh, his daddy told him, sit down. And, and the little boy didn't want to sit down. And daddy told him again, I said, sit down. And he sat down. He said, but I'm still standing up in my will, in my mind, and on the inside of me. And there are people who, there are, you can sit here and you can wave your hand and you can rock because the music makes you rock. You black, you go rock. You go pat. But that doesn't mean you're worshiping. Are you following me? And, and let me tell you something else. You can't know how good the sermon is. You can say we had a good church or he preached a real good sermon. You don't really know that. When do, do you know that it was a good sermon? I'll tell you when. When the message come back to live. When you're getting ready to make a choice or make a decision and that word pops up. And that word come back to roost. When that word grabs you. And you change your mind about what you're getting ready to do. Or you decide that this is my will. No wonder when Jesus went on his knees in the garden. He said, not my will. But thy will be done. Can I tell somebody something? That the will of God is not always easy to deal with. Yes, it's really proper and sound religious to sit in a service and say, oh yeah, for they will be done. Not until they look at you and tell you it's nothing else we can do. It's not until they tell you something is going on underneath your skin. It's not until they tell you your child is not going to make it. Then the will of God becomes a horse of another color. And I'm just trying to help somebody understand. Listen, you got to be like Job. Job cried out, though they slay me, yet will I trust you. No matter what it is, God, if you bring me to it, I know you have the power to bring me through it. Does anybody believe that God can do it? Somebody is going to go home today and there'll be no pretty box. There'll be no present under the tree. But if you got Jesus, you got everything that you need. Might not be nobody there to say, Merry Christmas, baby. But the Lord will put his arms around you. And when the Lord put his arms around you, you can sing, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake and even if I have to walk through the valley of the shadow of death I'll fear no evil because thou art with me let me tell you something the scripture in Matthew 19 says what will it profit a man to gain the whole world but in the end lose his soul so listen the soul you don't want to lose so give it to God now it's a reasonable act of worship give your body to God while it can be used give God your mind let him redo a work on your mind and surrender unto God your will that's a reasonable act of worship and when those things are in place, when that kind of behavior is in place, it doesn't matter what the song is, any song will take you there. Any prayer will cause you to feel. You don't, you don't have to wait till you feel the willies. You can know that God is in your heart and God is in your soul. 
Somebody's going to be by themselves today. Somebody's going to be out behind a building today. Somebody's going to have to go through a shelter today to try to find a meal. But God has blessed you. And you'll be with somebody. And there'll be more than enough to eat. You'll probably throw away stuff. It'll be so much. And it's time now for you to change some things. It's time for you to change. Give God your soul. Give God your body. Give God your mind. And give God your will. And then you'll understand that I was created to worship you. Listen, I don't, I don't have to wait till next Sunday. I don't have to wait till the next service. I'm still worshiping. I'm worshiping when tears are in my eyes. I'm worshiping when I'm by myself. I'm worshiping when I'm in a crowd. I sat right there and worshiped before I stood up here. I prayed. I said, help me. Trouble on the line. Have mercy on me. Difficulties come. Thank you, Jesus. Children sometimes get messed up. I have to pray for them. Help, help them, Lord. Cover them. Anybody ever had to pray for your children? You can't always be there. But God is. God is everywhere. Remember when my brothers would be weighing an army, I would hear my mama praying for them. Take care of my children. Take care of my sons. Watch over them. Stand by them. They're on their bellies crawling in foxholes. Bullets flying all over their head. How in the world are we going to live in a world like this and not give ourselves to God? You were made for this. You were made for this. You were created for this. You were created to worship. Worship. Worship the Lord. Worship him in spirit. Worship him in truth. And watch what God does to your heart as you recognize that you've been made, been created to worship him. They came, didn't they come? Men from the east in the old days called themselves wise men. They were the descendants of the descendants of the descendants who had been taught by Daniel. And they came all the way to Jerusalem and they said we have seen his star in the east and we have come to what? Worship him and look at what happened to him when they worshipped him they went back another way they, they, they could not go back the same way that they came if you truly worship you can't go out of these doors the same way you came in you gotta go back another way. Doors open. Doors open. Somebody might be here this morning. Somebody might want to receive Jesus today. You might want to give him your heart. You might want to give him your will today. You might want to give him your mind today. You might want to give up your soul for the first time. But whatever it is, this is your moment. This is your time. You can pray right where you are. You can say, God, help me. You can say, forgive me. I haven't given myself to you like I ought. But on this Christmas day, I want to give myself to you. And whatever your need is today, whatever you desire, this is your moment. Doors of the church open. Doors of the church open. While we sing. This is your moment. Come on, don't let there be no break. Come on. God's moving. Come on. Let's go with it. Keep it going. Not because 
from the Greater Shallow Missionary Baptist Church, where we are reaching the world for Christ. Located at 2135 Jefferson Avenue, Southwest, Birmingham, Alabama, 35211. For a copy of a CD or DVD, you can reach us at 205-925-5972 or visit us on the web at www.greatershallow.org. For an uplifting message, please join us for the next broadcast.